Well, folks, good morning. I'm so glad to see you. I'm Steve Googe. Uh, I have the privilege of serving as your associational mission strategist for the Shelby Association before we merged and became the North Central Baptist Network. And at that point, I retired. And uh, Wanda has me underfoot now for uh, most of the time. Uh, and I, I don't know, I think we're both getting along pretty good with that. Uh, it's a delight to be back. The last time I was here, we talked about vision, vision casting. And I'm so delighted to hear from your pastor about how uh, you're developing that, that vision and you're moving forward to unite the congregation in a great way. Uh, more people in attendance today than the last time that I preached here. And so God is providing some uh, good uh, growth and uh, thank Him. Absolutely, give the Lord a round of applause. He is great and greatly to be praised. It's, it's just a joy to be back and I always am delighted to be here with my wife Wanda. Uh, I always am teasing her about something or other. Probably will in the sermon today, who knows. But uh, uh, so glad that she's here with me. Um, I want to tell you a little story that happened to me uh, early in my ministry. I was pastoring in Columbia, South Carolina. And uh, I had a really good church and was real active in the neighborhood. And there was a kid in the school system that was really having a problem. And the principal of the school called and asked me. Uh, I, I know that he said, I know you are trained in psychology. We've got a child here that really is uh, out of control. Would you, would you please come over to the school and help, help us? I said, well, tell me what the boy's doing. And the principal said, well, uh, just, uh, just yesterday, this little guy was in his classroom and he was doing this. And the teacher asked him, said, Johnny, what, what do you have there in your hands? And Johnny said, well, I have baloney here. Baloney, she said. Well, what are you making? He said, I'm making a teacher. Well, she grabbed him by the ear and took him out to the principal's office. And uh, the principal let him uh, uh, sit there in his office for a few minutes. And the little guy just kept doing this. And uh, finally the principal called him in and he said, Son, what do you got there in your hands? He said, It's baloney, sir. And what are you making? He said, I'm making a principal. Well, the principal was just... He just didn't know what to do, so he called me. And so I said, well, I'll do what I can. I've never dealt with a situation like this before, but I'll try to, try to help as I can. So, you know, I thought, I have a degree in psychology. I'll, I'll fox him out. So I just let him sit in the principal's outside office. And I thought, well, he'll, he'll get over this in just a minute. And uh, he did. He just kept doing it. So finally I called him in and I said, Son, I'm a preacher in these parts. And I want you to know that I am aware of what you're making there, or actually what you have in your hands. And he said, you are? I said, yes. You have baloney there, don't you? And the little guy's eyes got great big. and He said, yes, sir, that, that's, that's what I have. And I said, I know what you're making, too. You do, the little guy said. Yeah, I said, you're making a preacher, aren't you? He said, no, sir, I don't have enough baloney in my hands to do that. Well, that whole story is a lie, but I just couldn't wait to tell it this morning. Uh, the only part of truth in that was that I did pastor in Columbia, South Carolina one time. It's just a joy to be with God's people anywhere uh, you can get together with them. 
and it's certainly a joy for me. We're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture today. It's found in 1 Chronicles chapter 28. Now, 1 Chronicles might be a little hard for you to find. It's, it's a book that we sort of dust off uh, because we don't read it too often. Uh, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, uh, Job, and Psalms. So you can find it in there. But if you'll find that passage, actually probably be best for you just to find uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 1. And uh, then I'll read the passage that we'll be looking at for the message in just a few moments, which will be in chapter 28. But I'll bring you to that in just a minute. I'm going to fall if I'm not careful up here, get tripped. Uh, we're going to be looking at a message entitled uh, The Next Chapter of Your Life. What about the next chapter of your life? Every one of us are facing changes or we're facing difficulties or obstacles. Uh, we're facing issues in our life. Uh, I, I just think about some of you. you. You may be facing the issue of, well, of losing a job and searching for another one. Or maybe there's a new chapter in your life that you need wisdom from God for in, in regard to maybe an empty nest. Maybe your children have, have gone to college or to the military or maybe they have been out of your home for a long time but you've got an empty nest. For some of you, you perhaps are facing uh, a need for wisdom in the next chapter of your life because you went to the doctor and he told you you have a disease that has such a long name that it's hard to pronounce and it's very confusing. Some of you are new members of this congregation and it's a new chapter in your life. And you're trying to find your way and your place here at Bethlehem Baptist Church. And by the way, if you chose this church to be a part of, you made a good decision. It's a good congregation, good group of folks to be with. But where do we get wisdom for the next chapter of our lives? Well, I submit to you today that perhaps the place that we're going to look today would be a place that would never occur to you to look. Oh, you would want to go to the Bible, I'm sure, for wisdom for the next chapter of your life. But what about the particular passage that I'm going to be calling our attention to in the book of First Chronicles? I'm not sure that you would look at this book as the place that you would want to find wisdom for the next chapter in your life. Now, before I read the text, I want to give you sort of the context. I want to share about the background of this book for just a few moments first. It's an understatement to say that First and Second Chronicles would be a warm and fuzzy devotional book for you to read. It's not that way. It wasn't intended to be that way. Let me prove it to you in terms of it's not a warm and fuzzy book to read. Look at First Chronicles chapter 1, verse number 1. It begins this way. And by the way, I want you to leave your Bibles open or your uh, smartphones, your devices open. Uh, throughout the message, because we're going to be looking at Scripture. Notice it says, Adam, Seth, Enosh, Kenan, Mahaliel, Jared, Enosh, Methuselah, Lamech, Noah, Shem, Ham, Japheth. That's not the most exciting reading that you might do. Look, if you think that's bad, look over at chapter 4, verse 1. The sons of Judah were Perez, Hezron, Carmi, Hur, and Shubal. And Reaiah, the son of Shubal, became the father of Jahath, 
And Jahath became the father of Ahumeah and Lahad. These were the families of the Zorathites. Zorathites. And these were the sons of Etam, Jezreel, Ismah, and Ibdash. And the name of the sister was Haziel Ponai. Now, folks, that's not the most inspiring kind of reading that we could do, is it? We go on for nine chapters like that. But they're there for a purpose. And we'll come to that in just a few minutes as we look at why these passages were put in there in this way. I just want to call your attention to the fact that, that you may never have looked in this book to determine wisdom for the next chapter of your life. Now, I want to ask you if you would to go ahead now and turn back to First Chronicles chapter number 28. And we're going to read verses 9 and 10 in just a moment. Now, again, just to continue the setting of this book, chapters 1 through 9 deal with obituaries. Chapter number 10 deals with the reign of King Saul, first king of Israel. And then from there to the end of the book, it talks about David's reign. And we find that David, has, he's nearing the end of his life, and he calls the people, uh, the leaders, the mighty men, the warriors, the elders. He calls them all to Jerusalem for an assembly. Because he wants to tell them something, and he also wants to tell his son Solomon something very important as well. And in addition to that, he, I think that probably David was a Baptist because he asked them to bring an offering. You know, we Baptists, we take up an offering every time we gather, don't we? We find that David says, bring your offerings because we are going to build a temple in Jerusalem and we need your funds. So that's my proof that King David was really a Baptist. Probably was a Southern Baptist, not sure about that, but I believe he was. And so they've come together and these are the words that David communicates to the people. Again, these are among the last words that David said. Look at verse number 9, if you would. As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father, and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every intent of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake Him, He will reject you forever. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be courageous and act. Let's pray together. Father, we just want to thank You that we could have a little fun here in church today. We can laugh a little bit. But now we turn to something very serious because it's what You have communicated to us through Your Word. And Lord, this is not just an ancient book that I hold in my hand. It is the Word of God that is uh, inspired. It's inerrant. Uh, and we just ask You, Lord, that You would help our minds to comprehend what You're saying to us today. Lord, I, I know that I'm incapable of communicating Your truth. But Lord, You're plenty capable. I'm a poor preacher, but You're not. And Lord, I just pray that You would communicate to the people today what you want them to hear and what would uh, be edifying, Lord, to 
your people, to your congregation. Lord, help us to discover wisdom for the next chapter of our lives, wherever we are. And may it come from this passage, Lord, that we've selected today. In Jesus' wonderful name I pray. Amen. Now, I basically have three points today as we look at this idea of uh, finding wisdom for the next chapter in your life. The first point is simply this. In the next chapter of your life, know God. Now, look at the passage of Scripture that we are... Uh, that I just read just a, a moment ago. As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father. Know the God of your father. The next chapter in your life, the greatest thing you need is to know God. Now, Solomon is the person that heard this communication from his father. Solomon is reputed to be, in Scripture, the wisest man who's ever lived. Did he know God? Well, you see, this no is not an intellectual knowledge. It's an experiential knowledge. It's not so much a knowledge of the brain, but it's a knowledge of the heart. It's to know the living God and to know Him in an intimate and wonderful way. And you see, the only way that we can determine that kind of love and that kind of wholehearted surrender to the Lord is by knowing God and knowing Him personally. You know, when you came to church today, you didn't really come for more information. I've got a feeling. When you came, you, you didn't really come to, to hear some more news or some, some uh, information that you could process. We've got more information. We have an information overload in our uh, nation. Uh, you know, we, we get information from the social media. We get social... We, we get information from mainstream media. We get all kinds of information. And sometimes this information divides us. We've just gone through a, a rather uh, difficult voting period. Our country is divided. We're, we're separated. We have different opinions. About 50% on one side and about 50% on the other side. So you don't need more information, I would contend. But I'll tell you what you do need when you come to the house of God. You need an encounter with the living God. That's what we're seeking, isn't it? We don't want more information. As a matter of fact, we're educated far beyond our obedience to God today. But I'll tell you what we do need. We need a touch of God's hand. We need Him in a special, unique, and, and, and uh, wonderful way to touch our lives. And that's why you came today. To know God. To know Him more intimately and to learn who He is in a greater way. Well, we've come for that reason, to know Him. I have uh, a quote here that I want to share with you from uh, Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown. Uh, They wrote about this knowledge of Solomon, and I quote them. He did not mean head knowledge, for Solomon possessed that already, but that experiential acquaintance with God which is only to be obtained by loving and serving Him. Close quotes. Folks, we we need to know God wherever we are in life. Whatever stage we're in, whatever chapter we're writing, we need to know God. Uh, Several years ago, I had a telephone call that came to me from one of our church members. And 
a person had died in the community. Now, this person didn't have a church they attended. They didn't have a pastor. And my church member asked me if I would go by the home. I met a couple when I came to their home by the name of uh, Jay and Mary Klein. A delightful couple, senior adults. Their daughter, Bobby, who was in her early 50s, had suddenly died. They had nowhere to turn. So I, I came and I talked to them and I began to communicate to them the love of the Lord for them. And, and we had a good connection. And they said, well, Pastor Steve, would you please, uh, would you conduct Bobby's funeral? We know she was a believer in Jesus. We know that she was saved. But would you, we don't have a church or we don't have a pastor. Would you do her funeral service? And I said, I'd be delighted to. And just as I left, I just simply said this to them. Uh, would you please, sometime in the near future, come to one of our worship services? I think it would do you good. Off I went. We did the uh, funeral service. It was on a Friday that she was buried. The next Sunday morning, I saw Jay and Mary in the congregation. I was just so pleased to see them because so many people will tell you, I'm coming, and they don't ever show up. Well, there they were. I preached a message. I extended an invitation. And as soon as I said amen, there was a movement in the congregation. We were singing the invitation. And Jay and Mary came down the aisle and took my hand. And I never will forget what Jay said to me. He said, Pastor, I've not been a bad man in my life. I haven't done many really bad things. But he said, I don't know God. I don't know Jesus. And I'm telling you, if someone comes down the aisle of a Baptist church and says, I don't know the Lord and I want to know Him, that's like saying, sick them to a dog. I'm telling you what, a Baptist preacher is going to say, I'll help you with that. And so Jay, that Sunday, gave his heart to Jesus. And Mary said, Pastor, I've attended churches off and on, but... I've never made a commitment to Jesus. I don't know Jesus in the way that you've been talking about Him today. Would you help me know Him? I had the privilege of going to baptistry just, just like this one up here and baptizing these two precious people. And they came into the kingdom of God because they reached that point of surrendering to Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. They moved beyond just knowing about God, just knowing about Jesus in their mind they moved to the place that they embraced Him in their heart. I wonder if there's someone here today. You'd say, hey, I'm, I'm not a bad person, but I don't know God because I've never received Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. Wouldn't you at the time of invitation here do just like Jay and Mary did and come forward and make a commitment to the Lord Jesus? I'll be praying that you do, do that. Because you see, whatever you face in life, the next chapter of your life, you need to know God. But there's a second point here that we see from this verse. And that is, in the next chapter of your life, you need to serve God. You need to serve God. Now look at the uh, verse 9 again. It says, As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve Him with a whole heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every intent of the thoughts. 
And so in the next chapter of our life, we need to learn how to serve the Lord. The Scripture tells us in Deuteronomy that we're to serve the Lord with our heart and with all of our soul and with our mind and our might. We're to just serve God with all of our being. And we're to do that willingly as well. Because you see, this Scripture is telling us that God not only wants us to serve Him, but He wants us to have a right motive for serving Him. Not just serving Him, but serving Him with the right motive. In Matthew chapter 21, verses 28 through 32, there's a, a parable told there by the Lord Jesus. And the parable goes something like this. They were... There was a, a man who owned a vineyard, and he went to his first son and his oldest son, and he said, will you go and work in the vineyard for me today? And then that son said, nope, you can count me out. I'm not going. But later he changed his mind, and he went to the vineyard. He had a second son, and he said, son, will you go to the vineyard and serve today? And the son said, yes, dad, I'll do what you ask me to do. But then he didn't ever go. You see, our motives are just as important as our actions. I want to read a quote to you that uh, sort of begins to explain uh, that parable. It came from uh, Rich, uh, Lawrence Richard in the Bible Reader's Companion, and it says this, and I quote him. In the New Testament, re we read the parable of the sons in Matthew 21. To God, the motives behind the thoughts that find expression in our actions are at least as important as the actions themselves. The consistent message of the Old and New Testament is that human beings need a changed heart that only an inner transformation can produce, a righteousness that God is able to accept. Close quotes. You see, our motive is so, so very important. I had the privilege of being on a mission trip in Kenya. <clears throat> It was a wonderful time to be with uh, people who uh, love the Lord. And I, I, I met a pastor over there by the name of Pastor Khomeini. And pastor Khomeini was full of energy. He was about 55 years of age. and He just loved the Lord. Uh, he lived in a little community called Moranga. And uh, every Sunday, he would walk to his church. He would walk six and a half miles to get to the church that he was serving. Now, I'm not talking about walking down the yellow brick road. I'm talking about walking in a jungle area where there are lions and tigers. don't know if there's any bears, but there are snakes. There are all kinds of different kinds of animals that we know nothing of, mostly here in the U.S., he would walk six and a half miles. Now, he wouldn't take as long as I would take to walk six and a half miles because he, he, he'd done it over and over. That was his mode of transportation. Why did he do that? To serve the Lord. And he would stay there all day. And then he would start walking home so that maybe he could get home before darkness hit. His motive was to serve Jesus. His actions matched his motives. And folks, we need to be people who serve the Lord out of that same kind of motive that says, Lord, I, I want to serve you. I remember a, a gentleman by the name of Clarence Parton, uh, who was a member of the church that I, one of the churches I served. And yes, he was related to Dolly Parton. 
But Clarence was a, a really wonderful gentleman. He was a, a deacon in the congregation, and he, he just was such a, a great guy. Nominating committee were meeting, and they wanted to ask uh, Clarence to be the Sunday school director the coming year. And they asked me to go ask him if he would do that. And so I'm, I talked to Clarence. I said, Clarence, I want to ask you, would you consider and would you pray about being our Sunday school director for next year? And Clarence says, no, no, I'm not going to do it. I said, won't you even pray about it? Clarence said, no, no need to pray about it. I said, well, Clarence, you're a God-fearing man. You love the Lord. You won't even pray about serving in this role. He said, well, preacher, let me stop you right there. He said, I've already prayed. I prayed several months ago that if God wanted me to have a position of leadership in this congregation, that He'd just send somebody to ask me. And when they asked me, I was going to say yes. So I don't need to pray about it. Pastor, I'll do it. I tell you, He's the only man I've ever seen that gave me an answer like that. Maybe we need more folks that would say, you know, I don't need to pray about it because I've already prayed. I'm already prayed up about where to serve. And I want to serve the living Lord Jesus. Now, folks, it's about that time in the life of church where a nominating committee is meeting. And that nominating committee is responsible for putting folks into places of service where they have spiritual gifts to be able to serve God's people, to serve the Lord. If someone comes and asks you, you be prayed up about that thing. You be prayed up to the point that you can say yes or no, whichever way God's leading you. But you do what God wants you to do. You know, there's people that need, need to work in the nursery in this congregation. There are people that need to work with the youth. There are people that need to work in outreach and in the card ministry that you have. There's people that need to go to work for Jesus. Folks, we, we need to serve Him. In the next chapter of your life, you not only need to know Him, but you need to serve Him. I'm, I'm going to make an appeal to you. Don't, don't let 80% of the work be done by 20% of the people. They desperately need help. Your pastor can't carry all the burden of the ministries in this church. He needs help. And God's calling you to provide some of that help. In the next chapter of your life, not only know God, but also serve God. And then the last point that I'd like to make is just simply this. In the next chapter of your life, obey God. Uh, look at verse number 10 one more time. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Notice these words. Be courageous and act. And then would you look also over at uh, chapter 28, verse number 20. Then David said to his son Solomon, Be strong and courageous and act. There was a commercial years ago that, uh, that, that said, Just do it. And that's really what the Lord's saying here. Just do it. Be obedient to Him. If God tells you to tithe, then be obedient to tithe. To the Lord. If the Lord tells you to attend His church, then you attend His church. We need to be sure that we're strong and we're courageous and we do what God wants us to do. 
There's a quote that uh, I read once by Tony Evans. and I think it'll be on a slide behind me here. He said this, You can't start the next chapter of your life if you keep rereading the last one. Move on. So we're going to, uh, in the next chapter of our lives, we're going to know God, we're going to serve God, and we're going to obey God, whatever He tells us to do. Now here's the application. I want to move quickly through the application. There's the tragedy of Saul, and I also could have put in the outline the tragedy of Solomon as well. Both of these men did not have a pure heart before the Lord. And uh, you'll notice in chapter 29, verse uh, 19, it talks about, uh, give my son Solomon a perfect heart. Solomon didn't have a perfect heart. It doesn't mean that that he had to be sinless. But Saul did, uh, did not have a perfect heart. He had a divided heart. Uh, he didn't have a committed heart to the Lord. And, and neither did Solomon. Solomon took all of these different wives and he began to worship their gods. And the Lord God Jehovah was just simply one among many that he worshipped and his life ultimately failed. Ultimately failed the Lord. Folks, we need to be very careful that we finish life strong. Don't get off track. Finish strong because the last chapter of our lives is not written until we're either in a grave or we've been taken on to heaven. So finish strong. A second application is this. Any generation represents just one chapter in the ongoing purpose of God. In the first nine chapters of First Chronicles, we talked about this obituary, list of obituaries, and I kind of made fun of all of that. But I'm telling you, the Lord put that list of obituaries, it goes from Adam all the way through the sons of Jacob. And He put that there, I believe, at least one reason is to communicate to us that Christianity that a relationship to God is built on one generation after another, after another, after another. You're building on a generation that's past. Some of those that are in this congregation today that are 60 years of age or, or, or above, I want to just say thank you to you. Because, folks, you, you, you are the building blocks. You're, you're the ones that have, have uh, charted the course for those that have followed. And so we need to realize that every generation is absolutely essential. And that's one of the reasons I believe that those uh, the genealogies are in there. To tell us to build on every generation. You see, it would only require one generation to derail Christianity. And I'm afraid we're almost there now. A statistic that really frightens me is that anybody that you meet who is age 28 and below, there's a 95% chance that they don't know Jesus. 28 years of age and below, only 5% of those folks are coming to know Jesus. Are we going to lose a generation? I'm telling you, Christianity is built one generation upon another. And those of you who have been building so faithfully, thank you. But let's reach those younger people as well. 
Then a third application, and this will be the last one. <clears throat> David called all the people of, of, of Israel, uh, more technically Judah, to come to Jerusalem. And he called them because he had some last words to say. Are there some words that you need to say to some folks before you pass on? I think about standing beside the beds of people who were taking their last breaths and maybe I was holding their hands. And uh, maybe someone says, you know, I wish I'd have told Daddy I loved him more often than I did. Or I wish I would have taken Mama shopping one more time. She loved that so much. And I wish I'd have told her how much I loved her and demonstrated that love to her. Are there unspoken things that you need to say to someone today? Now folks, if there's something that you need to say to someone, I forgive you, or I love you, or I am proud of you, you better do it. You better do it today, because we're not promised another day. Communicate that to that person. And I'm telling you, if God's speaking to you in regard to that right now, that person's face is in your brain right now. You know exactly who it is. And your choice is, will I be obedient to what God's told me to do this morning? Or will I just leave those words unspoken? You see, David spoke his words to his son and communicated what he wanted to say to him. Don't, don't leave something unsaid. Know the Lord. Serve the Lord and obey the Lord in the next chapters of your life. And as you do, God's going to bless you. I mentioned Jay and Mary at the beginning of the service, Jay and Mary Klein. Jay and Mary, such wonderful people, but I want you to know that about a year and a half after Jay committed himself to Jesus, I received a telephone call in the middle of the night and the phone call said, Jay has expired. He's dead. I was so glad that I knew that Jay was in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Only a year and a half before he'd made his commitment to Jesus and embraced Christ. I wonder if that would be a commitment you need to make today. Because folks, we're not promised another moment, another day. Know God by knowing His Son, Jesus the Christ. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we've looked at Your Word to try to determine what wisdom we need for the next chapter of our lives. And I just pray, Lord, that we would apply what You've told us today through Your Word and that we would leave here as stronger people because of our commitment to know You and to serve You and to obey You. Lord, we're coming to the invitation time now and if someone needs to come and make a commitment to You, I pray that they would do that. If some folks need to come and just pray, maybe they would need to come to pray at the altar or to come and sit on the front row and, and pray. Lord, you, you have Your sweet way in each life. Lord, You take complete charge of this invitation. It's Yours completely and fully. And Lord, I just pray that You'd have Your sweet way. We love You, Lord. And thank You for loving us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.